0: This is episode 10 with Richard Fant, and welcome to The Athletic Mindset. My name is Corey Camp, a former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your own athletic mindset. Today's guest is a current Chicago Bear cornerback undergoing rehab for an injury. We discuss what it's like to overcome setbacks in athletics and in life, how his strong support system has been a major factor in his success, and what lies ahead for him. I'm excited to welcome on richard Fan. Rashard, how are we doing, man? Everything's good.
1: Yeah, wife studying for a big midterms. She has in grad school, and I'm just rehabbing and just finished cooking, so everything's <laughs> been good.
0: Good. Good. What are you rehabbing right now? I know us. Uh,
1: my knee, my right knee. Okay. Um, injured it at the start, actually, my rookie year. Um. Two weeks into training camp, so injured dad and they thought it was a bone bruise. Told me I'd be out no more than a week, and it turned out <laughs> it's been a year and a half long injury. So just been
0: taking it day by day. Yeah, I mean that's got to be that's got to be tough. But yeah, definitely taking it one day at a time. I feel like is the right move. Uh, you no, can't lose sight of the big picture, but little wins each day will add up. No, definitely. And did you you swim as well? Yeah, so that's how I know Bob. Okay. I, um, him and I do, it's like a master's team, so it's kind of like a post-college, like, not really serious uh, <laughs> thing fine. at all. It's just more for fun. Um, him and I met in, like, April and just, like, hit it off right away. I feel like that's just one of those common things, especially with swimmers in particular. Like, you go through so much of the same stuff. Um, now I feel like him and I have known each other for years, but it's only been like five months.
1: Dev, Are you from the DMV area?
0: Yeah. So I'm from, um, just outside of DC. What about you? Okay.
1: I'm from Atlanta. So okay. I'm born and raised, uh, I know some guys out of DMV, uh, I'm a Dorian O'Daniel, uh, obviously Kyle Fuller, Kendall Fuller.
0: Yeah. Um, those
1: guys. So I know Arthur Jones who went to IU.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, I know a couple of people. We've, I mean, this area in particular, I feel like has been pretty big for athletics recently. First and foremost, how'd you get started in football? Kind of, what was your exposure, and what made you fall in love with it?
1: Yeah, Corey, uh, it's crazy. So I always like to tell people like basketball is definitely my first love. The uh, shoot, one sport I love crazy <laughs> till this day. But my dad played football in high school, was really good. Um, ended up going to Texas Southern, playing there for a year, and then towards ACL. And back then, um, you know, it's kind of tough to come back from those injuries. They didn't have the technology we had today. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, my mom being the sports junkie, my dad, they put me into football when I was six. And I just, you know, started playing it. They didn't know how it would be. They didn't know. They just knew I was fast because uh, my mom always says I ran first and then walked. Uh, so, just going through that and getting out there in my first little league year six years old i scored in 10 games like 60 65 touchdowns so uh, i think my parents are just like oh he could be good at this you know it's little league so you kind of don't know yet uh but i think that definitely developed my love just you know and going out there and enjoying scoring touchdowns being part of a team hearing people cheer seeing your parents happy and cheer and then started going home and watching college football and as I got older I fell in love with Reggie Bush because I was a running back to start off with so Reggie Bush is my favorite player and just kind of watching him do stuff and then I would try to do it the next weekend uh, out there with you know sometimes may cause problems for your coach when you come back across the field 20 times trying to be Reggie Bush out
0: there. I think it's interesting you pick up on him because I mean I look at it now especially in basketball I feel like Steph um Has changed the game of basketball, but you know, back in the day, it was Reggie Bush watching him. I mean, he was making plays, I think, like him, Vince Young, all around that time were just incredible. You were like, Oh, it's the play's over. Oh, wait, no, it's a touchdown.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's people you can relate to, and I think, like, with Steph, it's just Steph is 6'2, 6'3. He doesn't have the highest vertical, but he can shoot. And anybody can learn how to shoot. But not everybody can learn how to dunk like LeBron or be as powerful as him or, you know, Giannis' strength. So, you know, one of those that's just, he's just like, man, I can shoot from as far as possible if I want to and be good at it. And it just was something that became cool. And he added a little flair to it. And he's a great person. So that helps his marketability too.
0: Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Now you mentioned early on in career, you were scoring a bunch of touchdowns, um, younger ages, Little League and all that. When was the moment that you kind of realized, okay, maybe D1 and then maybe even pro? You know, I feel like my goal was always when I was
1: 11, I wrote that I'd go to college on a full ride for basketball or football. So I had that goal. Mm-hmm. When I really kind of figured out it was probably my 10th grade year, uh, we were coming off a of Two and eight year, we got a new coach, some new teams, and we started that year off with people having us projected to go like one and nine or two and eight again. And we started off seven and zero, oh, finished seven to three, first state playoff trip, and. Uh, I made All-State that year and All-Conference, and I really took off, and uh, we beat some bigger schools than us, and I kind of was like, wow, like, I can play with these guys, these guys on this team going D1, and why can't I? And it just, already I had the goal, but then that's when I really knew, like, you know what, you can play at that level, too, and just my drive and work ethic went harder, and as I started to go to camps um, between my junior year and senior year, uh, you know, I just get out there and go put on the best performance I can and go against other highly ranked prospects or people I hear buzz about. I love to read before camps and be like, so-and-so is going to be here. He has all these offers. And I'm like, okay, that's what I want to go against. Because if I can embarrass him or lock him up or score a touchdown on him, then obviously the coaches will be like, who is this kid? Because we've already offered the other one. And then with pro, it's just I feel like once you get to college, everybody has the equal chance to go to pro. Some people's chances are higher than others, depending on school you go to. And honestly, just natural ability. But, you know, you had Baker, who was a walk on and had small offers going on. He had a chance. But once you get there, it's just how your career pans out, opportunities and positions are put in. And teams are on, and it really just helps you. So I think once I got to college that, you know, I, I can really go pro, really kicked in. And then going, my first year starting, I really knew like I had a chance to be professional just from the way I was playing and uh, the and the Big Ten being considered one of the best cover corners. Uh, I knew since I was among the best there, I had to have at least the opportunity to make it to the NFL.
0: Yeah, that's huge. And I think one of the things that you touched on more in high school, I think probably I, I can relate to especially it was it was always picking that person that was you know rated higher than you or you knew was better than you but challenging yourself and, and pushing yourself to try to hang with them as much as possible you had nothing to lose they were already quote unquote better than you so it's only yeah, a positive uh, for you yeah definitely I know and it, it's you know it's tough
1: because I'm sure as you any athlete you don't think that person's better than you but you know they're at least equal so it's like okay they can pushing me they may do other things better than me and uh, for me I went to a small Catholic high school a private school in uh, Fay- Fayetteville Georgia so it was tough being the best player on the team so practice was kind of easy most of the time I could score at will I can shut down so I had to Kind of imagine who am I going against now, or dominate so much where it's like okay, I'm making myself better. So I really enjoy going to the seven on sevens against bigger schools, or going to the camps against top prospects because that was my time to really see if my work's been paying off. There and I've been pushing
0: myself, but also how I stack up against the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to compare yourself if the, your direct competition day in and day out, you are significantly better than. I would imagine. No, definitely. <laughs> now. I guess, what was the recruiting process like for you and what went through your thought process as you picked a college?
1: Oof. The recruiting process was, for me was definitely kind of a roller coaster. Uh You know, i 10th grade year, I had a great year. I'm seeing friends get big time offers uh, that also had great years. And I'm thinking my time is coming. I'm getting college letters from Ohio State, Georgia Tech, Wisconsin. And I'm like, oh man, offers are going to come. And after my junior year, I still don't have any offers. Uh, So I remember Breaking down to my mom Like man Like Why don't I have any offers I'm not gonna be able to go play Football on a scholarship Or Basketball on a scholarship And at this time Football I can tell I'm more Naturally gifted at Mm -hmm. And it's just I'm better suited for Given my height And uh, everything So once, then, literally about two weeks after talking to my mom about that going in, just at the end of my junior year, uh, I get Florida State calls me in at eleven a.m. offers me. Georgia State calls me like ten minutes later offers, and then Western Kentucky calls the same time Georgia State is calling to offer. So I'm getting them in, man. It was the happiest day of my life, and I actually was working out with my trainer and some other friends of mine on the field when I got these calls. And when I got them, I've never seen guys happier for a person, and it just it was not. Because all those guys had big time offers, but you would have thought, you know, this was their offer the way they kind of responded. So once that kind of happened, I was like, okay, who am I going to commit to? Uh, Florida State was my dream school everybody who knew me was like, oh, he's on the Florida State, it's no question. Like, first <laughs> offer, his dream school, duh. And I thought so, too. And as I just took my time through the recruitment process, uh, Indiana came in kind of halfway through the mix, and it was a school that just reminded me of really my high school, you know. I wanted to try to go change the program around, and, you know, some people would be like, well, y'all didn't win a lot there, but we got the two back-to-back bowl games, and we played, beat Michigan State, which hadn't been done in a while. We were very competitive. Every game I played in no matter the team Um, so I felt like although it wasn't the kind of turnaround or change we wanted we kind of set the foundation and the team this year should easily win eight games and they're just thriving they got young players all over the place who are talented vets who are talented so Uh, You know, for me, the recruiting process is just finding a school that fit me, had great academics, uh, off-field opportunities, and Indiana gave me all that, and once I got there, they really lived up to it, and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities I had there, and they really put me in an amazing position to accomplish all that I've accomplished.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like um, you had an awesome support system in place, too. Do you think that attributed a lot to the player you are now?
1: Oh, definitely. I feel like, you know, and there's guys who succeed that don't have really a support system, but for me, I could definitely speak on, you know, having a mom and dad who always supported me, believed in me, and having friends who always there, kept it real with me, and then your coaching staff, and then um, a girlfriend who's not my wife, like being there in my corner and sticking through the tough days of football, which, you know, in any sport, you got your good days, bad yeah. days. And <laughs> uh, her sticking there, giving me words of just advice or just comfort hanging in there with me, so, you know, and then you get to Indiana, I don't want to brag about IU, but just the support staff that we have academically um, off the field, and then just people around, I mean, the family environment from, you got the cafeteria uh, workers who are amazing and we love, them. you got the tutors coming in, and the grounds, people who keeps keep the uh, field together, so it's just from head to toe, it's just such a great feeling, and people just, you know, saying hello, you know, sharing a friendly smile or words of, you know, just advice with you any chance they get or just you know saying something positive to help brighten up your day which made you feel amazing
0: yeah I feel like that's huge and it's I mean it's that off the field stuff you need there too Um, like while the on the field product's important I feel like at the end of the day football is not going to last forever Um, sports don't last forever you need something there to gravitate to uh, off the field and it sounds like you're setting yourself up long term there too Yes, sir. That's awesome. Um, now, how did you handle that transition your freshman year to playing at IU from high school from a smaller um, area to there? It was definitely tough. I always wanted to go
1: away from college. Uh, my little sister goes to Kennesaw State, which is like forty five minutes from my house, and she's more of a stay closer home. I wanted to go away. Like at least my rule was I wanted to be at least three, four hours away. And for me, it was it was definitely tough, but there was some great vets there when I was there—Lenny, um, Tim Bennett, Michael Hunter, just guys really taking me under their arms and making sure I was good. And especially once I, I actually par- partially tore my hamstring the end of summer workouts in uh, my freshman year, and so I was sidelined for most of the camp, which led to being redshirted. And then I was already smaller, so I was like, okay, we're we'll gonna use this year to get bigger, get healthier, and then come back next year. So. I'll, sitting out of football for the first time in forever was definitely challenging and then coaches actually expecting you to play um before the season started and they're kind of like you know not upset with you would like just a little disappointed because they want to see what you could do and had big thoughts for you uh big hopes for you so having guys just kind of helped me through that and then leaning on family members and when the times get rough, and even talking to just friends and those people keeping you positive and helping you keep your head up and see, you know, see down the road like everything's gonna be okay. It's plenty of opportunities. The red shirt was actually a blessing, which it definitely was. I got bigger, got stronger. Was a three-year starter. Got my finish with my master. So definitely amazing uh, opportunity that blossomed from being red shirted. That as an 18-year-old kid, you don't even think about, but then now as a 24-year-old, you kind of look back and say, "Man, how
0: amazing!" was that yeah I feel like when it when that process happens as it's unfolding you can very easily be like oh man why me um oh yeah but it's cool you know you have that perspective now you can look back and be like well actually it made me who I am like I wouldn't have had that awesome opportunity I mean for you to graduate with your master's like that's awesome I assume you were still on scholarship while you finished that up too so I
1: would would even say it's okay to, you know, for a second to be like, why me? Because it's disappointing, you know, it's something Mm -hmm. you didn't expect. It's just, you don't want to dwell in it too long, you know, sit here a month or two later, years later, and be like, why me? Why about the same thing? It's just, you know, you might always be sad about it or a little like, dang, but, you know, kind of try to use it to take you to new heights or accomplish new things or just be a better player or person, whichever avenue of life you're in.
0: Yeah, I always tell people that I work with um, through coaching and, and training and stuff. It's it's okay to acknowledge that th- those things that don't go your way. Like it's okay to be like, okay, yeah, this sucks. It, it happened to me. It didn't not what I wanted. But after you acknowledge it, take your time to to deal with it. But at some point, you got to move on and focus on what's next. Hundred uh, percent. So you touched on it a little bit there, handling adversity in sport. Uh, unfortunately, you've had some injuries going on. Uh, what's your best advice to handling adversity? And is there anything like mentally that you do that others can possibly take away and that are facing that same kind of situation? Yeah, my, for
1: me, I feel like you know best advice is always because everybody's different, and what works for me may not work for you. But I know one thing. I would say that could help a lot of people just having somebody to talk to that will either just listen or feed you positivity or just to shower love over you to help you feel better about a situation, even if it may not be better in that moment, but you just feel a little relief from. So just talking to somebody you trust. And for me personally, I either try to talk to a close friend or my wife or, you know, even see a therapist from time to time or a mentor, somebody just that you trust that you feel comfortable with. And then. Uh, My big thing for me, honestly, going through tough times, I love to go work out on the field and just after my workout, just sit on the field for an hour or two and just kind of have conversations with myself, visualizing me being successful on the field, off the field, in my family life, whatever it may be, and then also seeing my friends and family be successful. So it's a lot of different tricks out there. Those are a couple that I feel, you know, help me get over the tough times in adversity and just try to keep me as positive um, as possible in those, you know, difficult
0: times. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned um, seeing a therapist there. I want to touch on that. Do you find it helpful talking to someone that's completely unbiased and might not, you know, know you for who you are and they're just kinda an average not you know, an average guy off the street, but like has a background in what he's talking about?
1: Definitely. I went uh regularly my last three years of college and haven't been as much lately but i know the biggest thing is just one finding somebody you're comfortable with um i know it's easy you know sometimes it look like will they be able to understand you know how i grew up or what i'm going through but i definitely feel like having somebody who's unbiased and that you don't know is really helpful especially for me like just being able to vent and know like this person does not know any of your friends does not know your life like (laughs) They're just kind of listening and letting you get it all out, and they just try to, you know, kind of connect dots or offer some things for you and just speak positive into positivity into you, but also kind of find different things that they see, like, oh, you can actually use this in this scenario, or maybe this was actually happening if it's, you know, conflict with a friend or a person that you may not be that close with. Uh, but definitely, I would think having that unbiased person right there definitely can come in handy.
0: Yeah, I, I was able fortunate enough to, to use one at my time at Delaware, um, as well, and I found it a huge help because it was just you're able to talk to talk through things that, you you kind of shy away from talking about even with your closest friends because you're like yeah, it might involve them or <laughs> you're just worried about what they're gonna think of you. Um, oh yeah. Too. Um, so it's nice. It's cool to hear that. I think it's becoming more and more common. More athletes in particular too are are taking that time to go see someone I mean that's huge oh yeah
1: I think definitely especially with more pro athletes you know coming out like Kevin Love and just speaking on it because you know you kind of look and kids that look up to collegiate athletes or high school athletes or pro athletes, they're kind of like, oh, they got it made, they're so happy, like, they're on a scholarship or they got so much money, and it's like, nothing can be wrong with them, and you're like, you know, there's so many problems in the world, people have family issues, people just have their own demons, and, you know, sometimes life gets rough, no matter who you are, no matter how much money you have, it does not discriminate based on that <laughs> stuff, so knowing that even the best of a person or the richest person needs some help sometimes or just needs somebody to talk to. Them.
0: I was about to say not only do you have your own problems, you also have those kind of you have more external pressure from from like a fan base, from yeah coaching staff, like all these people are like Social looking at media you. In today's age Yeah, you're like, Why aren't you performing? Like what why you know, you're healthy, like why aren't what's going on? It's like there's more to it than that. Yes it is. I think that's super well said. Um, Your time at IU, though, what was your biggest takeaway from your playing time there?
1: I guess for me, at IU, it really just, I would say, patience. You know, when you are going through a process, you know, a lot of people want the, you go 4-8, and and then next year you're 10-2, and and sometimes it doesn't happen like that. Uh, Sadly for us, it didn't. Uh, A lot of injuries that derailed that um, promising season, you know, for us. And then also just kind of being under the radar and overlooked. I started to just relish, um, relish under, you know, for me, it's, it was tough, you know, having great seasons and people still like, ah, he's too small though, or he goes to IU, they're not that good. So it's not as impressive. And I'm like, it's still a big 10 school. So just dealing with that and, Knowing the more your team wins, then those doubts will be hushed, and I'm looking forward to, we got a lot of great corners at IU right now, and once they win to the level they're capable of winning, all those guys have opportunity to play in the NFL, no matter how long it may be, but the talent level there is crazy, and there's more talent,
0: you know, we can produce in the NFL, it would be great for the university, but people start taking the football program more seriously. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, football in particular, it's it's so hard. You see almost the same teams at the top, obviously, year in and year out in college football. It's It's got to be tough to try to build a culture to overtake those kinds of schools, but it starts with, okay, maybe producing guys like you, uh, go into the league, and then the next year it's like a few more guys, and you start to get that national recognition. You can start recruiting bigger classes and, and better kids, and it just kind of snowballs, and hopefully here soon you're dethroning people on top of big 10 and then you know who knows from there
1: definitely i mean it can be done you look at teams like wisconsin who don't does uh do not have a lot of four or five star guys and then even though they're struggling this year in northwestern traditionally is a great team who has two three star guys based on rankings you know and just Mm -hmm. play together and some of that just comes with the schedule and stuff too but then it just comes with a team messing things going right. So, you know, it just takes one good season to get things turned around and get that consistency and get used to the standard being, okay, you know, bowl game is the standard and then 8, 9, 10 wins is the standard and then making it to the college playoffs the standard. So, it just it takes time, but, you know, I think as far as the IU, they're on the right track and I can't wait to see what happens down the line as we keep going.
0: Yeah, it's exciting to look back as alumni um, and kind of hopefully see your program continue to improve um, (laughs) when you're when you're out of it Um, describe your draft process to me I you know unique to recruiting process you're making that decision where you're going to end up um, whereas the draft you really don't decide where you're going to go was that kind of hard to deal with and then what was that process like for you
1: It definitely was difficult just because it's a lot of things going on. And for me, I actually had a minor ankle surgery at the end of the season to remove an extra bone in my ankle. And so I wasn't able to go to the Senior Bowl, East West Rhyme Bowl games that I was supposed to play in because I was recovering. And then got my combine invite and uh, tore my pick at the combine. Um, and I had a third to fifth round grade, so, you know, that feeling of I'm getting drafted, I'm getting drafted, and then having an injury like that that possibly can end your season and teams thinking like that, and I'm already a smaller guy, so Mm kind of just, you know, puts concerns in them, so going from knowing I'm going to get drafted to knowing now the possibility is you won't get drafted, that's always tough, so it's a roller coaster for sure, and then Ultimately, going undrafted, it's kind of once you know they always say if you get sixth, seventh round, you don't you don't want to be drafted because you want to be able to pick your team. Which I feel like is a plus and minus to all of it. You know, you want to be drafted because it feels good. You have that you can always say I was chosen, I was drafted like that. Uh, where undrafted for agent, you're still chosen. Teams reach out to you. But it's just it's just a different feeling. You dreamed of mm-hmm. being in the NFL draft all your life. Um, But being undrafted, you know, I kind of got to sit down and pick, and ultimately you pick – based on what you think a team needs, is a chance for you to make that team. Some people just pick on the amount of signing bonus money you get, and that's a hard thing you discuss with your agent. And I know for me, I took less money to go to the Bears at the time just because of the fit and, you know, the team that they had and the comfort level and the defense that they ran. And that was one thing uh, I looked at. And so once getting there, I mean, it was amazing. Great experience. It's just it's a lot. You know, a lot of traveling. You're going from place to place, taking visits. It's up and down. You get injured. Things are just so different, you know, especially as an undrafted player uh, on the team. It's just – your lamb is so short, you know, injuries, or if you make a mistake, or too many, you know, it's like any player can be gone, but when you're undrafted, the team has no stake in you, so it gets even that much more difficult, which is why people always applaud and are impressed with undrafted free agents, which for me, I'm not surprised, a lot of guys get overlooked, but also they're NFL players just like anybody else, so.
0: Yeah, and it almost makes you, I mean, you always hear of them playing with kind of an added chip on your shoulder. Would you say that's the case for you?
1: No, I'll say definitely. I remember before I got injured going into training camp, you know, I wanted to guard Allen Robinson every play. I wanted to guard Anthony Miller, who was their second round pick. And I wanted to show, like, listen, like, you all know why I had the draft grade I had earlier. So I'm going to show you each and every play. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter that I went undrafted, but I want you to know I went undrafted because of my injury, not because of my talent level. Um, and so each day. Day of practice was me, honestly, playing the game. You know, I wanted to take that challenge. I didn't care who it was first team receiver, second team receiver. I just wanted to go show them and, you know, prove to everybody because I already knew myself that I was worthy and able to play to that level against the best of the best.
0: Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, I mean, you're right there. What has helped that transition to the NFL now?
1: I'll <sighs> say it's just, you know, just having great people around you. I mean, it's always tough going through with other people. When I first got to Chicago, Jordan Howard was there, and that was a big one for me. I got to stay with him throughout the summer, you know, just talk to him, pick his mind. And it's just all about the vets you have, you know, being around Prince of Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller. Like, those guys, just the words of wisdom they would give you, just keeping everything chill, the laughter, the fun. So, it it's a tough transition more because it's unknown you're playing now this is your job so you can be fired anytime that's how you make your livelihood so that's stressful but trying to you know just keep it light enjoy it and just cherish every moment but just go out there and have fun and not worry about what may happen down the line and just live in the present
0: yeah and i think i mean you got to think as a defensive player you're in the perfect situation um you guys have a fantastic defense set up around you um Pretty much in all aspects. Do you think that, you know, is helping drive you to get back too?
1: I definitely think. I mean, you know, each, each year is unknown. And with me being injured, I just think, it, you know, for me right now, my season is just focusing on rehab, knowing that next year I can be anywhere else in the NFL. Um, but I definitely would cherish and I'm so grateful for the things I've learned from um, Coach Vic Vangio, who was there and was the D coordinator and all the great defensive players they have. and Just everything, watching them prepare, watching them play, you know, those things definitely help you. So if you're still with that same team or if you're on a new team, you can take those things with you and and also learn from people at your new team, regardless of where you're at, um, and just help you play to a higher level and make you a better player.
0: Yeah, I was talking, uh, a friend of mine plays up in the CFL um, for Calgary, and he is actually going through some rehab as well. And one of the points he brought up was you can – kind of go through mental reps, Um, even when you're not physically playing, just kind of doing everything you can, whether it's picking up things from teammates or, you know, learning from coaches, you're still getting experience, you're still becoming a better player, Um, and it's all just things that are going to help you when you get back, you know, attack it even better.
1: Oh yes, definitely. And mentally, that's one of the you know, hardest things. Sometimes you get put out there so fast you can't even mentally take a step back to learn plays or see the different uh, dynamics of each player, each position. You know it
0: gives you time to maybe learn other positions to help you understand the defense better. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you'll be better prepared when that, you know, when that time comes for you. I want to touch on your upbringing and kind of what was that like? and was there anything that stood out to you from your childhood? that might have had a major impact on you currently as a player? You
1: know, I feel like my brand, my parents were very worked hard, or both athletes, so that was always big, but they didn't play about academics, not one bit. So always it was get your grades first, and then you can go play outside or you can play that sport, bring home a B, you won't be able to play that sport, bring home a C, you're definitely not playing. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think just that, you know, they expected me to be the best at anything I did, whether it was school, football, basketball, business, whatever it was. They wanted me to give my all, be the best that I can be and not take shortcuts. And I think that applies as I grow- I've grown up. You know, I've always wanted to be the best football player I can be, but the best person I could be and student and you know you don't you're not perfect in everything i fall short as a student plenty of time just like i fall short in football games all the time so you know you just take it one day at a time and try to take what your parents have taught to you or mentors have taught you and all other adults that have you've been lucky enough to have throughout your life and take those lessons and try to uh, either give those lessons back to younger people younger than you and just or just continue to grow use those to grow as a person as you go through your life
0: I think that's really well said. Um, it's huge to try to pass it on, obviously, to the next generation. But it's also awesome that you, your parents were so supportive, and they kind of made you realize your priorities and kind oh, of definitely. make sure you have those in line. Because um, if those aren't in line, it's really hard to be successful in anything.
1: Um, yeah, so 100%.
0: Uh, now, I know we've touched on the injuries and, and all that. Has that affected kind of mentally how you approach your game? Uh, and if so, how so, what, how so?
1: Yeah, so it's tough. I think it depends on the injury. And I can kind of – go when I tore my pec, you know, I was like, oh, man, this stinks. But then it was like – it won't really affect me in the game, you know. It affects mm. me bench pressing, but I just want bench press. So I'll dumbbell bench. Uh, so once I got back on the field, I wasn't worried about that at all. I didn't. I forget sometimes that my pec even was torn think the knee is a little different just as you rehab because you do things and you're like, man, is it stable enough? Like, even when you have a minor injury, and I'm grateful enough that I did not tear anything at all. I just had a really bad bone bruise and a lot of fluid and swelling in my knee that wouldn't, cause that's taking time to come out. And so I'm grateful on that, that my knee is actually just healthy, ligament-wise, and, um, everything. So for me, it's just going out there, being confident, but I think depending on your body part, depending on the person, you know, somebody can hurt their finger and that can mentally mess them up where somebody else could have the same injury and be like, Oh, I'm amazing. I'm a hundred percent and mm-hmm. not even be. So it just depends on one, the person. But for me personally, I think, you know, it's one of those things. Once I get out there, I know my mindset is always, if you're out there, you're good to go a hundred percent. So
0: it's no worrying about anything else. Yeah, and touching on that mindset, what's going through your mind as you're approaching the game? And do you have any like specific routine that you put yourself through prior to the game? Man, I'm really chill going through a game. I listen to a lot
1: of R&B, a lot of j If Anybody who knows me has <laughs> been around me, I listen to a lot of j Cole before the game, and I'm relaxed. I've never been a big Raw Raw get-hyped guy just because I learned early on as a high school that took a lot of energy out of me. Um, and I like just staying calm and mellow and just going in the game, ready to go, I'm focused, uh, I say about four prayers leading up to the game, that's a big thing for me, and I'm a little superstitious, I mean, put everything, I put my left sock on first, my right, left cleat on first, you know, I gotta, I have an order of things <laughs> that have to go, just for me, it's like, you know, everybody has different superstitions, um, and, you know, I don't know if anybody else I had a lucky pair wore for games, <laughs> so, it's just so different. For you, so I think, you know, there's been some weird superstitions out there that people have. And, uh, you know, I definitely am a victim of having some of those as well. So I think just for me, it's just staying as calm as possible. And usually I'm always nervous. If I'm not nervous, I'm usually more worried. And I've only had that not nervous feeling once ever. And thankfully, I end up still playing well. But usually I'm always nervous. And once that first play happens in the game, for the team or myself um i'm really i kind of am in the game now i'm ready to go and excited
0: i say hopefully it's a good nervous uh, yeah (laughs) oh yeah not like a yeah
1: yeah it's not like a word nervous it's more just you know you want to play well for your teammates for yourself for your family and you kind of just like man another game you know national tv so it's just it's always different so it's always a good one and you make that play and now you're fully in the game and you kind of, all the nerves leave your body and you're just ready to go.
0: Yeah, it's funny you t- talked on superstitions there too. I I personally, I remember, I think this developed for me back in high school. I had a really awesome swim and the night before I went to Noodles and Company and I got their mac and cheese with grilled chicken. And I don't know, man, being like a ninth grader I was, or freshman in high school, I was just like, Dude, I swam awesome because of that mac and cheese and grilled chicken. So it, no, literally became, it became a thing. Like every meet, if I could, I always had that mac and cheese and yeah. grilled chicken for lunch and dinner. <laughs>
1: you needed it. Yeah, we had a tropical smoothie and one of my best games came right when well, The first time I got it my sophomore year. And from my sophomore year to the end of my career, I, I would get a tropical smoothie. <laughs> uh, a smoothie and a sandwich before every game. I have been cutting it close sometimes, making the bus because I told my coach I got to go get it before we leave. So <laughs> uh, it was one of those things. That was a
0: big one for me for sure. That's really funny. My, my dad was a huge supporter when we traveled, and I couldn't get it. Like I couldn't leave the team. My dad would go get it um, sometimes yeah. if it was close enough, yeah. if, it was, if it was within reason. <laughs> Parents always coming in close. Yeah, huge, huge help. And it's just something I feel like that helps you lock in. Because if you're not making that extra decision, oh my God, what do I need to eat? You already got that, you got it down. You're like, I know I got this. You can more focus on the game. Um, now on the field itself, uh, what's going on through your mind? Are there ever distractions there? And then have you found ways to deal with those distractions and block them out?
1: Honestly, I'll say I'm never on the field. Once I'm on the field in the game, I'm never distracted. Um, you know, I'm real locked in, especially for me, playing, being a man corner, playing a lot of man. I'm kind of on my own little zone. I'm on my own little island. It's me and one other person most of the time. And my mission is to shut them down, especially the games where I got to travel with uh, either a best receiver or a travel on certain downs to go find the best receiver. So for me, it's just, you know, trying to stay in that moment, stay in that zone. Finding that zone is a big thing for a lot of people. And once you find it, staying in it, and that was me kind of just once the game start, I'm in the zone. It's me and whoever lines up in front of me. And it's going to be a battle, but I'm going to come out on top.
0: How did you find that zone? Was it, do you think it was through like the R&B music and all that leading up to it? <laughs> I think,
1: yeah, it's just definitely me. Like from the time I wake up, man, I have that music playing. I'm usually always, music's in my ear. Only time I hear any other music is when we go out there to warm up. Um, And even then, I kind of, I don't talk to too many people. I'm literally in my own little world. So trying to just keep a steady, you know, flow and always kind of be consistent in the things I do to prepare and not change too much up, you know. And, you know, if you're a dancer, dance before the game. But if you're not, don't don't try to change it up and be cool and dance. You know, find what works for you. And it does help make it easier to get in that zone once the, you know, the whistle blows and the game begins.
0: It's all about finding that routine. <laughs> I think
1: yeah, definitely for every athlete, I think they would say once you get that routine that works for you, it's a great feeling.
0: Now, have you had to deal with like trash talking or anything like that from you know an offense? You know, sometimes receivers have been known to <laughs> to say some stuff. Has that ever affected you during a game? It is funny because I don't, so I don't talk trash.
1: Yeah. You know, my best friend was like, "Bro, you got to be talking trash out there." Because if I make a play, I celebrate. But I'm like, "Bro, I really don't talk trash to people. Like, I'm a nice guy. I'm on the <laughs> field. I'm like, pat you on your butt. I'm like, how you doing? Like, I'm talking to you like we cool, even though we not. And I must have got lucky because I think there might have been one person ever in college that really tried to trash talk me and had a problem with me. And I'm lucky on that end because most people just hate the opponent. But I was really just chill. And I think once I was playing at a high level, I got mutual respect. Uh, And I always, you know, pride myself on trying not to. I'm not a big trash talker. You know, you really to get me to trash talk or get me upset. Like you really have to like say something off the walls or out of line for me to really just be like, okay, now we got a problem. I'm about to talk this talk to you. Uh, That's because it's
0: just not my nature to trash talk, Uh you know. Yeah, and it's—I mean, obviously there's corners out there too. Uh, you know, you look at like Jalen Ramsey last year with all the interviews he did. Um, they're making noise, but you know yeah. it's been known to backfire.
1: No, definitely. You know, Jalen Ramsey, Richard Sherman, and the thing is, I won't even say it backfires because a lot of those guys give up one or two catches, and then people are like, "Oh yeah, you yeah. see that?" I'm like, "Hey, am I gonna give up a catch? That's a an NFL receiver across from him." And who is the best of the best on his team? And his like he not gonna be able to keep him to zero catches or every receiver to zero catches every game of the season. Like if you find me a corner that gives up zero catches in man to man over the course of a sixteen game regular season, then I need to talk to him because whatever he's doing, I need to find out. He's definitely from that day forward the greatest corner to ever play, and Dion is that right now. But if you find
0: somebody who can do that, they definitely are the greatest. How do you deal with um, – I mean, obviously, like you just said, you can't hold them to to zero catches. Are you going in like, all right, I'm, maybe I won't be able to shut them down zero catches, but maybe, you know, no touchdowns. I'm just giving up no touchdowns. Is that kind of like what you're attacking like? or?
1: So I, I would say it's different. Like, because you go, like, you kind of know you might not be able to, but for my mindset – and what my coach would always say, like, I wanted to stop every route. Like, my coach, we would be in defenses where we're giving up, like, a slant maybe. Mm-hmm. And I would tell my coach, like, no, I can stop that slant too. And he's like, that's not even physically possible where I have you lined <laughs> up. So my mindset, especially if I'm a man, I will say if I'm a man, yeah, nobody's catching the ball on me. Like, that's my mindset. You're you're not catching the ball. I don't care what happens. And, you know, as time goes on, you know, like a catch may happen. But the thing is, you're so confident. Okay, cool. You catch a five-yard slant or you catch a 10-yard comeback. Cool. Let's go to the next play. And then at the end of the game, we'll look at them stats. And I'll be happy to see you had that one catch or two catchs for 10 yards that didn't do anything for the game. I
0: was about to say, how do you deal with, I mean, keeping your confidence up when you do give up a big play? Like, that happens. <sighs>
1: Oh, the good thing is the game moves fast enough where you have no choice and as you get older you really like learn to shake it off um and i mean i've given up shoot a touchdown in a critical uh time i've given a big play in a critical time and you just like okay gotta go into the next one and it's hard to do there's not even a secret to it it's just your confidence in yourself to know like cool they got me on that one you know that was kind of you kind of like that's kind of lucky you know, I was lucky how he got it. So you just move on, and once you next play, you like I'm gonna get that play.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great, great way to approach it. Um, describe the biggest game that you've had so far in your career, and what would you say kind of made it so special for you?
1: And I, it's hard to say one. I definitely say Ohio State season opener, twenty seventeen, Penn State homecoming, twenty sixteen, or our. One of our bowl games, but I think just the moment, you know, the back-to-back bowl games, playing in that bowl game, you dream of that when you're in college. I mean, when you're in high school, looking forward to going to college, you want to play in bowl games, especially the big-time ones. And then the Ohio State season opener, first time, I think to had an opener that big and forever. It was the first game of the season of all the college football and national TV at night in the lights against Ohio State, packed out crowd. I mean, it was amazing against, you know, one that I think they were ranked two or three that year so it was amazing to just be in that environment and feel how you felt with the ESPN crews around and I love night games and that was just an amazing feeling for me and just the, you know one of the moments and the build-up to it you know being around and hearing people talk about it hearing the ESPN outlets talk about it or news reporters talk about it and in the school and you got students talking about it so it's just an it amazing feeling and something that I had never felt up until that point before before
0: so i really enjoyed that even though we didn't get to come out on the right side of it yeah it's all right do you um? do you would you watch and like read stuff on like espn or watch college game day and all that if you guys were ever on it
1: oh like so if we usually you never get to watch it because you play at 12 or 30 so you're always doing when you get the night games like that you get to watch everything and i watch college game day i don't think anything of it you know i you know, see them up there, they make jokes about teams who are supposed to be bad or aren't usually good, and you just kind of get through it. So I remember watching, and everybody, I think, but one person picked Ohio State. Somebody said they put them on upset alert, and <laughs> it was close to being that. We just didn't have enough to get through it. But it really is just something, you know, you watch it for so long. Since I was about 7, 8, I watched college game day. So, you know, it kind of I missed it a little bit <laughs> once I got to college
0: and we were playing games during that time. I was about to say, I mean, I grew up on it too. I I used to have Saturday morning practice as a kid, and it was always come back, eat like a giant breakfast, because I just swam for three hours. I was starving. And just like veg out on college game day, and then I honestly fall asleep during the twelve o'clock games, probably. Yeah, you <laughs> don't. The college game day usually, I think, starts around nine or ten a.m. Yeah.
1: is when the first game starts at noon, and for us, we're always either in a meeting or you don't walk through if you got a twelve or three thirty game, so you're not seeing any
0: of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I mean, you can watch it now. <laughs> you no, know, definitely. Get back to it know, a little I'm, bit.
1: I'm enjoying the college football vibes. <laughs>
0: It's nice being out of it as a fan and not being having that stake in it, too, anymore.
1: Yeah, it's a little more stressful, though, I want to <laughs> say, as a fan of your school, man, i like, I used to play Michigan State and uh, lost on a game one and drive that Michigan State had in the game, yeah. and I was going crazy in my house, just like, oh, come on. Like, make that play. We had a freshman corner who's a beast. He is making plays, so I'm hyped for him. Like, I'm out there blocking down people. <laughs> and then I see a lot of guys, a good amount, I still played with. So, seeing them be successful, and yeah. it's just a great feeling. My cornerback coach is still there, the head coach I had my last year is there, and so it's a great feeling when, you, especially you know, when you know people still there. But it is stressful when you still know people and you want them to succeed so bad.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely. I think my biggest thing being removed was that first year, of like seeing the team fall short on something. I'm like, man, if I if I had one more year of eligibility, like I could have helped <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But as you get more and more removed, you're kind of like, okay, like I'll do whatever I can now. To help those guys that are on there, uh, but but I just can't physically do anything. For sure. Um, you touched on it way back about the power of visualization. You sit on the field and visualize yourself. Has that something that you've done your kind of whole career? And where did you learn that?
1: I think that kind of just came to me. You know, I always loved being on the field and just kind of putting those me making plays and putting those thoughts in my head. I've always done working out. Um, But I actually started doing it before games. Um, It actually came through our linebackers coach, Coach Inge, William Inge. He would always tell his linebackers, and we would sit next to the linebackers. He'd be like, close your eyes. And he'd say, you know, picture yourself going down there, making that tackle on kickoff or third and ten look at that stop that you just made to get us off the field or see your team getting that pick-ticks, and he would just speak those things and have them close their eyes. And I eventually, in a lot of the corners and safeties, just started closing our eyes with the linebackers and, you know, feeling that, and you want to feel those, you know, those thoughts and those emotions because you want to have that positivity just flowing through your body and through the locker room and the spirits of everybody on the team.
0: Yeah, and I think it helps, too, so much for you to – actually be prepared for the moment, because when it is happening live action, live game speed, if you visualize and prep that way beforehand, you're kind of not as taken aback by it, and you can, you know, decide what to do instead of reacting, you already know what to do. No, definitely. It's like you've been in that moment already. Yeah, exactly. Um, Now, football's unique in the sense that it's a team sport, how do you deal with that, and then... Are you ever frustrated where, you know, you did your job completely right and you might have a teammate that um, gave up the play anyway? Are there any tips you have for a defensive player dealing with that kind of thing?
1: I mean, it's definitely frustrating, you know, on both ends. I mean, I've been on a team where the offense was averaging about 40 points a game and we were losing because the defense is giving up about 45. (laughs) So I know for them that's upsetting and I've also – you know, as a corner, you know, you're shutting down your guy, especially if you're a man, and you're like, man, I got him locked up, and you see somebody give up a scramble or they give up a catch, and you want to be upset, but at the same time, you've been in that position. Like, I've been on the third and four, third and six, gave and giving up a catch is a first down, and my teammates just, they look at me and be like, let's go, Charge, you got it. So they keep that confidence, and that's what my tip would be like, just keep encouraging. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's easy. It's nothing goes good if you just turn and, like, why would you give that up or why didn't you stop it? You know, it's more so like, all right, I believe in you, bro. Like, come back because I've also seen, you know – actually one of my teammates before I got a pick on the next play the play before I had given up like a slant it's like sure I feel a big play coming. keep going bro just stay in the game and next play I got a pick and I'm like man just that thing right there that honestly probably helped because I still had that confidence and I can say I've probably done that to other teammates helped them where they might have got a sack on the next player a big tackle for a stop and that positivity spreading around the team really helps you know in the moment it helps you be able to bounce back from maybe giving up a big third down, or, you know, the worst in football is giving up a third and long and them getting a first down.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely. I think it's huge to keep that confidence high um, at all times, and kind of just doing what you need to do, and proving that you belong on that field, and you can go up against anyone. Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, Where's your motivation for the game come from?
1: I definitely think it starts with just my family and then my future family, like my kids, I hope to be blessed enough to have. And then my wife wanted to make them proud, you know, and have them look on the field whenever I'm out there or see and be like, man, look how great Richard is. And knowing that without them, honestly, I may not be as successful in the sport that I am or even as a person. And then also just wanting to succeed and be the best, you know, my drive for that, especially. You know, you go out there and everybody wants to be the best, and that is how everybody should feel, like, that you're the best and that you want to be, and it just drives you each and every day when people, you know, the next point for me is when people doubt you and tell you that you can't. Like, you know, that drives you to, okay, I'm going to show you, I'm going to succeed, I'm going to be the best and show you differently and just keep going and taking it to new heights. And even if you get to the top of your game, you know, like the Deons, like anybody is just – you know what more can I do to make sure that every time I step on this field or court, people look and say, "Wow, he's clearly the best player.
0: She's clearly the best player out there." Mhm. I think that's huge. It's it's cool to see that you're doing it for more than just yourself. You got, you got your priorities in line there. It's bigger than you. Oh, definitely, it always is.
1: You know, and that's you know it's hard because for me, I'm big. Um, believer in God, that's, you know, I'm a Christian for me. And, you know, that's one of the things that drives me, just want to make sure all the gifts He's blessed me with that I use them and, you know, can go. And whenever we meet face to face, I can say like everything, gift that you and ability that you gave me, I tried to use to the best of my ability, and I hope I made you proud. And that kind of goes on with the family, wanting to make them proud for everything they sacrificed, and time, driving to come see me play, giving me training, money they spent, and just want to make them proud
0: day in and day out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're on the right track there, um, for sure. Um, have you ever tried meditation throughout your career? And if so... How has that helped you? Okay, so
1: I've never truly tried it, uh-huh. but I've like played around just like, man, let me just meditate. And I just think, I don't know. Honestly, probably what I do in my workout is a form of meditation, sitting on the field, visualizing. I feel like it all is one in the same. Um, I try to sit in quiet, but I don't know. It's, it's tough for me just to sit somewhere and just be just still and quiet. For a long, I can give you like five minutes and then I get a little antsy. Like I got to be talking to myself or talking to God. Like I got to be doing something. So I've never been able to successfully do it, but I know it's a big thing
0: for a lot of people. And I hope to honestly one day be able to do it smoothly. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think one of the cool things uh, with talking with Jelani, he is started a... Company now named Mind Body Sports, um, and he's trying to bring in kind of mindfulness into athletics and kind of teaching people the power of, of meditation, yoga, and all this other stuff and how it can, can benefit them in the long run. Uh, have that you tried? Sounds- amazing
1: and i definitely think you're about to ask have i tried yoga
0: yeah have you done yoga before
1: yes yoga is once you do it consistently it's a lot better but i remember first starting I
0: mean, <laughs> it was
1: terrible oh your body was like in shock but yoga is definitely something i've tried and wish i honestly did more and need to get back into doing a lot like, one because it's good for your body and also it's just good for your mental and just being relaxed and just feeling good about yourself um and about things to come in life so I mean that that is amazing I definitely will look into that and can't wait to see the amazing things he does uh, with that you know
0: program getting started yeah I'm excited to see it kind of take off it's in it's early stages right now but I you know knowing him I think it will it'll be something big one of these days no for sure now what's your biggest takeaway from sports in general that you use every single day in your life I would say just being
1: competitive and being the best version of myself and everything that I do, you know, whether I go want to go meet with business people or whether I want to go talk to people or, you know, no matter what I do, I want to be the best. I mean, and I have that competitive nature. And I think a lot of athletes take that into their different jobs, whether they end up being doctors, lawyers, sales, or whatever, they go in there like, man, I got to be the best. Like they're back in competition and it feels great. And I think that's the one thing it gives you, that drive you to want to be great at everything you do and i try to have that too no matter what i do you know it could be park honestly like backing in my car i only back in and each time i'm trying to be as perfect as can be i want (laughs) to make sure people look at my car and like man whoever backed that in he's the real deal (laughs) so no matter what it is you know just Going there, being competitive, I feel like helps. And I feel like it's one of the employers love to hire athletes as far as, like, the time we spend and time we sacrifice, being able to wake up early, go to sleep late, and still be high-functioning. And, uh, you know, they know we have that competitive nature. And I, I would say 90% of athletes have that competitiveness. You have some that don't have it as much, um, but most people have it. If you play a sport, it's kind of hard not to because, you know, everything, there's always a winner or a loser, I guess, yeah. except for maybe like
0: soccer where you can tie, but still. <laughs> hey, You can tie in the NFL apparently. It's becoming more and more common, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but
1: hopefully, you know, I'm surprised they haven't tried to switch to the college style, which, you know, each thing gets a shot and you keep going until somebody wins.
0: I think, I mean, I, as it happens more and more frequently, I think it happened tw- two or three times last year. It's already last happened three, this yes. year. It's like at some point, I think we're moving that direction. Hopefully,
1: yes. Hopefully,
0: I always <laughs> want to
1: win. That's my wife played college soccer at Western Kentucky, and I always told her like, if our kids played that, man, that's gonna be tough knowing. My kid could play and it'd be zero zero. And I, what I'm gonna say, like, good job. with tie, Like, it's, it's so tough because, like, I, I hope my kid is disappointed. Like, I can't believe we tied. Like, what is a tie is a loss. That's yeah. what it just feels like. So yeah. So it's still getting used to that.
0: <laughs> Takes some time. Uh, what's one big lesson that you could help pass along to that next generation of athletes? I
1: would say the biggest thing would be just believing yourself regardless of what anyone else says and always put in the work. I mean, that was big for me in high school. I had a lot of people, even at my small high school, try to say, like, you'll never be able to go to Division I and play any type of sport and you're not good enough or this person's better than you. And for me, it's just, thankfully, I kept that constant belief and I would say, like, I know I'm good enough. I know I can do this and I will do this. Like, speaking into existence and You know, sometimes it would come off as arrogant, but I feel like when people try so hard to kind of take your dream away from you or try to tell you something you're not, you kind of have to be a little, you know, kind of real confident, a little arrogant, like, I know I can do this, like, I got this, like, it's going to happen, and it just helps drive you. And then make sure with that, they'll back it up by putting in the work, you know, sacrificing time. Just don't think it's going to happen because nothing is. No matter what it is in life you're doing, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a writer, you know, if you're a doctor, like you got to put in the time, put in the work to make sure you get the results that you want.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's really well said. Um, is there anything else that you, you know, a non-athlete could possibly take away from your story? and put it to use in their day-to-day life?
1: I feel like from my stories, just, one, believing in yourself. Like I always say, no matter what your profession is or what avenue of life you're in, believing in yourself, it doesn't matter if you're an athlete or not. You know, that's going to go a long way. And also the next one, it help you find yourself, you know, finding out who you are as a person. And that's really big for athletes because a lot of times we feel like we are our sport, and I've felt like that at times before, but finding out who you are outside of your sport. But also it's good to, if you're a CEO, like, who am I outside of the CEO? Like, don't let CEO define you. And then, like I just kind of said, working to be the best. It doesn't matter who you are where you come from. You know, if you're an athlete, non-athlete, you can always work to be the best. Shoot. I mean, once I retire officially, I plan to play some pickup basketball, and I'm sure it's going to be somebody who wasn't always an athlete in there trying to learn how to play, and he probably <laughs> would try to want to get good to be one of the better players, so...
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting points. I think you really touched on it's huge to view yourself as more than your title of whatever it is, whether you're an athlete, CEO, entrepreneur, business owner, whatever it is, Like is. You're more than just that. You shouldn't let that define you at all times. Uh, 100%. I think I've learned that. Over time, you know, and
1: I've felt at one point that I was just a football player, and that's why I was a Sharifant, the football player. But now that I've gone, I'm fan the friend, the husband, the son, you know, the brother, uh, shoot, the speaker, uh, <laughs> see, I got I met the MPA graduate, you know, whatever it is. So many, and then the child of God. Like so many titles I have, I'm not just one of those things, and. That's always a great feeling, knowing that you know I am made a lot
0: of different characteristics make up who Rashard is. Yeah, I think that's an awesome perspective that you have on it too. What's What's next for you? Um, what do we have looking forward to? I know rehab this season, but uh, what's ultimately next for you? Next for me is just yeah, like I said,
1: rehabbing uh, throughout this season. I. Uh, getting ready to, for the 2020 season next year. But for right now, it's, uh, you know, just speaking different, trying to get different speaking events and spreading my story, spreading positivity, speaking that of being more than an athlete and how to deal and face adversity head on. Uh, and also just getting involved in the community you know although I'm down I can always give back you know help others especially the youth you know I love dealing with high school kids and collegiate kids I mean I feel like it's a critical time in our lives where we really begin to mold into who we are and kind of find out the things we like and the things we don't like and who we are and want to be as people so just trying to give back as much as I can to the community and. Use my voice for all the right reasons, spread positivity, love, and just, you know, speak, especially to athletes, of being more than an athlete and being more than a sport and getting out there and, you know, doing other things that impact the community or that will help you off the field.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you really hit it right on the the head there. Um, Rashad, I really appreciate your time here. I think you're well on the track to a very successful career and then a, a very successful life after that you got your priorities in line. Um, I'm going to be pulling for you, man, throughout this rehab process. Best of luck here. Um, and hopefully be able to watch you next season.
1: No, definitely. Thank you, Corey, so much for allowing me to, you know, have this time with you and coming on, man. I really enjoyed it and look forward to doing more down the line.
0: I'm so glad that you took the time to listen in. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Duchard. He definitely has me pulling for him to get back on the field with him i have no doubt that he will be successful in all aspects of his life i ask that however you've been listening whether on spotify itunes or another platform please share this episode with at least one person today you can impact someone else's lives in a positive way by doing so subscribe to our channel so that you'll be sure to never miss an episode and come back on friday as i welcome on egyptian two-time olympian someone who's already qualified for next summer's games in tokyo Ali Kalafala, and remember to be great this week.